when I started the business, I was working eight hours, then spending five hours when I got home, learning how to make websites, that whole thing. This is Oversharing with Mikhail Alphon. Today's guest is the co-founder and CEO of Blue Light Media in Orange County, California, where they specialize in creative marketing for wellness brands. And he's also the host of his own podcast, Oversharing. He credits his time working at In-N-Out, Starbucks, and as a telemarketer for many of his most important business skills, one of which was ABS always be smiling, which we definitely need to dig into in a few minutes. He's a Star Wars enthusiast, an eggs Benedict connoisseur. (laughs) Y'all, y'all, he just got married less than two weeks ago. Welcome to the Social Sunshine Podcast, Mikhail Alphon. (laughs) What is up, Brittany? Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) You're welcome. I was like, eggs Benedict connoisseur. That sounds fancy. (laughs) I love it. It was a weird phase I went through. I I ended up starting like its own page, but I never like really took the time to grow it. But (laughs) now as I got like more focused on, you know, my diet and then money and time and everything. And I I try not to like be on social media at all on Sundays, especially like it just, it has kind of died, but I still love the eggs Benedict. That's hilarious. First of all, before we do anything else, I'm going to tell you, uh, now that we're actually talking kind of face-to-face on the computer, congratulations. You just got married. That's awesome. You guys, um, I legit watched his wedding on Facebook. Like (laughs) there was a Facebook live and whenever, like I already knew I liked Mikhail a lot, but whenever I found out that he was going to have his wedding on Facebook live, I was like, these are my people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we definitely, it was so fitting that we did that because like, I remember maybe three or four years ago when I was like trying to start or starting my personal brand, I guess you could say Facebook live was this fifth thing. I think you remember it was like Facebook live, Facebook live. That's what you got to do. You had Gary V like pushing that down everybody's throat. So I was really hot on that. And then just being in like digital marketing and social media, that whole thing, it, like it just made sense that it would be on Facebook live, right? Like it would almost be disappointing if I didn't, but you know, we were supposed to have our first wedding in Sayulita, Mexico in March, but you know, we had to cancel it a week before it happened because of all things COVID. So there was actually 200 people that weren't able to go to the wedding. So, you know, not only was it fitting and like on brand, I guess you could say, but, you know, we wanted to make sure that our uh, friends and family could see it wherever they were. Of course, you're right. Totally on brand. But yeah, you got to do what you got to do in 2020, right? It's a crazy Mm -hmm. year. I already have um, immense gratitude for social media, that whole world in general, which is why I work in that world. But I mean, clearly this year, it's really been an amazing tool that everybody has probably embraced a little bit more, maybe because we kind of have to. (laughs) But that's beautiful that y'all were able to do that. And I watched it and it was so exciting, you guys. Like like I legit saw their wedding on the internet. It was great. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that too, because it's funny because this is to the listeners, like this is the first like long form conversation that we're going to have. I feel like the way that communities are built and just the way socializing is in 2020 and for the last couple of years and probably for the next couple of years, it is like direct messages, Instagram stuff. So it's like, I consider your friend and it's like, if you lived in Orange County, I would have been like, come out to the wedding. You know what I mean? So it worked out really well that like, 
I didn't get the heat from my wife because at one point when we were getting doing the first one, she's like, who are these people that you're inviting? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just want to invite everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that you guys had to cancel the first one. I know that freaking sucks no matter what. But hey, you're married. I'm, I'm very happy for you. You guys are so cool. You guys, y'all have got to check them out on social media. We'll give you all the information at the end of our chat. But y'all are, y'all are so fun. And, and I just really, I enjoy both of you very much. So I want to let you talk for a sec and just, if you don't mind in your own words, you know, let everybody know some about your background, where kind of like where you come from and just your professional journey, because it's very colorful. And, and <laughs> I think that a lot of people are going to relate to a lot of things you went through along the way to Blue Light Media. You know, when I started my career, I thought that I was going to be a flight nurse, work in the NICU, which is for newborn babies that need intensive care. It was either NICU or be a flight nurse. So I was on my path to do that. I got my LVN when I was like 19 years old. But before I could drink a beer, my I realized that my dad was using my identity to embezzle a bunch of money. And the way that I found out about that was the when I came home, my house, my apartment was raided. Everything turned upside down because the tactical team or whatever had come in and searching for evidence about how this was going on. I went over to my parents' house and they were still over there. Long story short, as a consequence of that, I ended up losing my nursing license because the state board, you know, on paper, it looks like I was embezzling money, but in fact, it was my dad doing it, but I didn't know what to do. He ended up going to prison. You know, I'd never dealt with attorneys or, or uh, appeals or anything like that. So right. you were my, so young. Yeah, right. My mom didn't really know what to do either. So I ended up just losing my nursing license at that point. For a while, it was cleaning carpets and knocking on doors on my neighborhood. I rented the rug doctor from the pavilions down the street and you know, tried to help out my mom make ends meet that way. I ended up getting a poker coach and played poker professionally for about two and a half, three years. So it was a mix of playing poker and running underground poker games in Orange County is how I made my money for the early part of my 20s, which was really interesting. Um, I, well, I, first of all, I think that a lot of people are probably like, oh, that's actually a thing? Professional <clears throat> poker playing. I mean, really, there's a whole group of people that don't even realize that probably. Yeah, 100%. And it wasn't <laughs> glamorous. Like, you know, I wasn't on TV <laughs> or anything like that. It was dirty. It was gross. Like, it was late nights. Like, it was early mornings, you know, dealing with a lot of gamblers and running the games was kind of interesting because you'd have to keep a bank to give people markers so that you could keep the game growing. It was a, it was a, not legitimate, but it was a business. You know what I mean? I um, mean, I didn't really realize that at the time, but when I was, you know, I believe I was turning 24 at this time, but my poker coach had told me like, look, I don't like the life you're living because, you know, I was young, I was in Vegas, I was drinking a lot you know, staying up late. There's like no direction to my life. I was just getting by. And my coach told me, you can either go back to school and I'll pay for it or you can get a job. So I was like, you know, I'll, I'll get a job. I don't want to go back to school. So I ended up getting a job as a telemarketer um, at a local SEO company. And when I say local, I don't mean proximity. I mean, press one to be on the first page of Google. And we we're working with like Google places. Probably some of the listeners are familiar with, with what I'm talking about. Worked in that industry for about three years three or four, yeah, three years at that point. And I watched that company grow from 11 people to 110 people. And once I got burnt out on doing phone sales, you know, I started working in operations and I realized that they weren't really coming through on what the salespeople were pitching. Um, it was being oversold quite a bit, you know, a lot of guarantees that couldn't be there, that type of thing. And I remember I got a call and the lady on the other line I actually want to say she was from Texas, but I remember her business, not her name, but she told me, um, 
Mikhail, do you know that the company that you're working for right now is stealing money from small business owners? And for some of us, it's the last $1,200 that we have. And it was at that moment, I walked outside, sat on the back of my dad's truck, and I literally cried. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. So in June of 2014, I filed my first LLC. I decided I wanted to start a social media marketing company. I didn't really know much about it at the time. I thought I did, but you know, now looking back, it's like I knew nothing about social media marketing. Got fired from my job at the time. They saw it as a conflict of interest, even though they're completely different. That CEO decided to sue me for $6.5 million. So here I am, December of 2014, the brand new lawsuit for six and a half million dollars, no money to my name. And I have to like, I just started this business that for whatever reason, I was just like committed to making this happen. So the first part of me building that company, which was 712, was me knocking on doors again. Um, I was booking like pizza, you know, mom and pop pizza restaurants for $600. And I would do social media marketing for three months a photo shoot and build out their website. And I was even negotiating with Yelp so that they could get their money back from Yelp. And um, that's, yeah, that's how it started. And then we ended up like, you know, kind of building our way up. I kind of, you know, built more skills. But then in 2017, I had to split ways from my business partner at the time. We were just not a good fit for each other. We were friends for 18 years before that. But I realized that it just wasn't a good relationship. I was like living in fear. I was stressed out. I was, I don't know. It was just a really toxic environment. So I decided to jump ship left that. Luckily, like super blessed. The Most of the team decided that they wanted to stay with me. Most of the clients decided that they wanted to stay with me as well. Um, and that's when Blue Light was born. And over the last three years, I mean, like I, once that happened, like the first part of my 20s, I'm talking a lot and I apologize. The first part oh. of my 20s was like such a struggle and it was so frustrating. Like my credit was shot. I never had any money. Like everything was like, you know, paycheck to paycheck, like that whole thing. And then right when I thought I was figuring it out, I felt as if I had to start over again in 2017. And at that point, like, you know, the money wasn't coming in immediately. You're probably familiar. Like they say the check's in the mail, but really they haven't even written it yet. Like that whole thing. So I was pulling title loans on my car so that I could make sure that my people were paid. And it was just back to that, like stressful, terrible thing. My friend luckily let me live in her house for 500 bucks a month and she would feed me as well too. So, you know, I didn't have too much overhead at that time, but from 2017 to today, and as as I was telling you just now, we just hired our 10th employee. You know, we're working with brands that are ranged from startups to Fortune 500 brands, recognized all across the world. We're able to create an environment where people can become the best versions of themselves personally, as well as professionally. And I got married. I moved in with my fiance in a beautiful apartment. Like all of these things, like, you know, have happened in the last three years. So I, I see it as a lot of, a big blessing. It's crazy every time that I tell this story and just like, wow, I remember, I remember like cleaning toilets of my poker couch because we weren't running a game that week. Let's say it was a Memorial Day weekend. So we wouldn't run a game that week. And, but I needed to make some money. So I'd, clean his toilets, paint his bathroom, scrub the carpets, like the whole thing so that I could make a little bit of money. But those like experiences in my life taught me to be the person that I am. Because if it wasn't for those types of things, I would have just been another spoiled OC brat. Okay. Wow. Um, I knew, <laughs> I knew some of that. Some of it I didn't. Um, Jesus Christ. I, that's amazing. I, you know, and you're right. I mean, clearly it's such, it sounds so cliche, especially to somebody that maybe hasn't 
gotten onto the other side of some sort of big struggle in life yet, but it's true. Like if you, if you hadn't gone through all that shit, you wouldn't be as awesome as you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And one of the gives best you, gives you perspective, right? A hundred percent. I think one of the better quotes that I've heard in a long time is like, don't let a good challenge go to waste. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. every time you're faced with something like that, there's a new version of yourself that comes out and it's always better than the last, you know? So I'm blessed to have all of those. I'm ready to chill for a little bit, but like, yeah. I don't, but you know, <laughs> like similar to you, it's like when you have big dreams, big goals, whatever it is, like your life is going to be filled with challenges and you just have to be all right with that. You are. It is going to be filled with challenges. And that's it. You know, it's funny. We hear that kind of stuff, or at least I did. I remember, I mean, even in elementary school, as a little bitty kid, you have like somebody come and speak and talk to the school and they're like, you know, go to school and do all the things you're supposed to do and dream big. It just like doesn't always make sense until <laughs> you're living that real life and you're going mm -hmm. through all the stuff. And it's true. I mean, because if the if you're trying to be if you're working on your success journey or whatever, and you're super ambitious, like you are, and like I am, you know, like a lot of you guys out there are, you are, you're, and it's inevitable. You're going to run into a bunch of crap because you're trying a bunch of crap all the time. So yeah. <laughs> it totally makes sense. Can we just take like five minutes? Can you just maybe enlighten us on like how that even works? There's a dude, what you had like a, a guy that you worked for or with. I, I don't understand. Yeah. So he was my coach at the time. So like everybody knows, not everybody, but like if you know how to play poker, like you know which hands beat which hands and when yeah. to bet, things like that. But there's actual strategy involved, right? Like something simple is if you're in the first couple positions, you have to play a little bit tighter, meaning you're only playing premium hands um, in the first couple positions as opposed to the last positions, especially if you're last act, you can play a little bit looser because you're gathering all the information of what happened before instead of being the first person to act. So there's little things like that that are a big deal. Um, there's definitely some math involved with it. And then also bankroll management is a big thing too. Like you shouldn't be playing with half of your bankroll on the table, even though that's what everybody does. <laughs> um, you know, so there's a lot of like strategy things that are involved with that. So he was coaching me to do that. But playing professionally, I mean, honestly, it was just going to casinos a lot. And I played Texas Hold'em and a little bit of PLO, Pot Limit Omaha, but primarily Texas Hold'em. But the games is really where we made the most money. So, you know, we would, if you've seen Molly's game, it was very similar to that. You know, we would host a game, people from around the neighborhood, from the casinos. I would go to the casinos and recruit people to come to the game, uh, talk to the dealers about people that would want to come to a home game, that type of thing. And we would, you know, make money off tips. We had a dealer. We ordered food. We'd order the fights. We'd have, you know, massage therapists come in, like all of these things that we had to make this a thing where people wanted to go to. And each game, you know, we'd make X amount of dollars. Um, and then we'd just run the next game. So... <laughs> Okay, I kind of feel like in this weird, interesting way that that was like, like your first like like preparation of a good environment, like trying to make or not maybe not good but enjoyable, right? You were you were creating an enjoyable environment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we really were, and it's funny. I actually credit that time in my life to most of my lessons as an entrepreneur, not just running the games, but also just playing poker in general at the. When I say at the level, it's like my life depended on poker at that time in my life, right? Mm -hmm. And so there'd be days where you start with a couple hundred dollars, like, and you build up your stack to maybe a thousand dollars, maybe more, and that's in a day. And then within 15 minutes, it's all gone. And 
that was me being undisciplined at the time and trying to make every chip on the table. My coach always told me, he's like, you don't have to win every chip on the table. Poker is a lifelong game. It's not about this session. It's about how long you can survive. And I'm like, fuck. Like, that is some deep shit right there. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so when I look at business now, it's like, it's not about today. It's not about this week. It's like, can I actually sustain this for the long run? Like, do I need to make big bets? Do I need to do I need to redo the carpets in my office just to like look cool? It's not about that stuff. When you really get into business and entrepreneurship, it's about the people, in my opinion, it's about the people that you're working with and how well can you actually take care of them? You know what I'm saying? So like, there's a lot of glitz and glam around it. I think we're kind of past that phase of people like really putting out there that they're entrepreneurs and whatever, or maybe I just don't pay attention to it as much, but like there's a little glitz, there's a lot of glitz and glam that's associated with it. But honestly, it's really tough, especially with, my type of business where it's service-based and dealing with people all the time. There's no cap raises. We don't have a hundred, we don't have like billion dollar valuations and people investing in our company. It's all based off of sales and my performance as an individual. So um, it's a, it's a little bit different of a challenge, the business that I decided to build. I want to dive into, we talked about it before we, before we started recording uh, the other day, but I really want to talk about this hustle mentality thing with you. I feel like, um, you guys, I've got to mention, first of all, that Mikhail does, speaking of hustling, right now he's doing this cool earn your sunrise thing on <laughs> on Instagram. And I'm always thinking, you know, I'm not up that early. <laughs> so if I'm not up that early, am I still earning my sunrise? But anyway, I would love for you to, uh, just for fun, mention to everybody what the heck earn your sunrise is even about. And then I want to talk about this like hustle, hustle mentality of, of business ownership with you. Yeah, 100%. So Earn Your Sunrise is... I don't know where I got it from. I, I'm going to take credit for it uh, completely. Yes, and actually, it's, sure. trade, it's trademark pending now. So it's so... Oh, no, sweet. Yeah. So nobody has actually trademarked it. So I'm trademarking it at this point. But Earn Your Sunrise really... It's funny that you say like, you know, am I up early enough? And I know that that's what I put out there. But honestly, <laughs> Earn Your Sunrise to me is just acknowledging and honoring the fact that every single day that we get is 100% a blessing. So the, every time we like hit snooze and don't get up in the morning, we're disappointing somebody that believed in us. We're, dis- we're letting down the blessing of the day. And I relate this a lot to like running. I hate running, but I still run. And to me, it's a blessing that I even get to run. So I'm honoring that by actually being able to do that. Not just like, do I have the health and the legs to do it, but I live in a country where I can do that. I'm, you know, it's a crazy time in our life. So it's like, it, I'm a race where I don't have to worry about, you know, something happening to me if I'm on a run or something like that. So there's things like this. It's really about honoring the fact that each day is a blessing that we have. So whether you're earning your sunrise at five o'clock in the morning at the gym, seven o'clock in the morning, or even 8 p.m. at night. You know what I mean? It's just about getting the most out of every single day. So that's really the biggest thing. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. People are saying, earn your sunset now. I'm like, eh, I don't want to have to like trademark that one too, just in case. It's a, it's a weird extension, but it makes so much sense. But there's something about the sunrise, you know, about having it come up in the morning type of thing. But anyways... Yeah, no, you're yeah, you're right. There is something about it. And yes, every day really is a blessing. And my husband has always said that to me over the years. He's uh, totally opposite of me and he's a he's an avid outdoorsman and hunter and like this rough Texas dude. <laughs> but, but so he's used to you go out on these hunts with duck hunt, whatever it is, and you're out there really early, literally before the sun rises. He talks about that a lot, about experiencing that and how it's an actual reminder of like 
you know, a lot of shit may have gone down yesterday, but the sun rose again, you know? So mm, I, I oh. really relate to that, but I love it. You guys, y'all have to check it out on Instagram. We'll give you uh, Mikhail's handle and all that in a little bit, but um, I love it. I love seeing how other people are also using the hashtag and tagging you and you're sharing all their stuff. It's dude. It's you started crazy. a movement. <laughs> it's real crazy, man. Every time I just get, I get a little overwhelmed actually. I'm like, wow, I can't, you know, I mean, you talk about being authentic all the time. And to me, that is my authenticity. You know, there, I have a couple people in my group. One of my best friends actually, like she doesn't like shame me by any means, but she's like, you're not better than anybody else by waking up at five o'clock in the morning. You're like, you're right, but I'm still beating you. Like, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, but <laughs> a win's you know, a win. Yo, a win's a, a win's a win. So, you know, it's like, consistently putting out something like that, even when it feels kind of silly at first and you're trying to do something like that. There's been a dozen different things that I tried. The whole breakfast with Mick thing is something that I tried to do in, uh, uh, with Eggs Benedict. There's a ton. <laughs> I can't really think of them off the top of my head, but then this one seemed to pop off. So I'll see where I end up wanting to take it. But you mentioned the uh, hustle mentality. Yeah. It's interesting. When I Definitely when I started, hustle was the almost the mantra, you know, I was a big fan. I still am a big fan of Gary Vee and uh, he helped me build this business a lot. And in fact, when I was jumping from my first company to now Blue Light Media, I sent him an email and I said like, yo, like this is my situation. And he just replied, he's like, good luck. You know what I mean? And just getting that attention from him for for a second, like gave me a ton of confidence. Which is a lesson in itself, right? As I mean, you never know what something you, something simple to you, you could say or do could have a huge impact on somebody else. A hundred percent. Just the idea that like, you know, when you, a lot of times when you start this, an entrepreneurial journey, you feel like you're alone. Like you really do because nobody understands really what you're going through personally. And so the idea that somebody like Gary Vee at the time, sees you yeah makes it feel like you're not alone in that whole thing and for in that moment I felt like I was seen and that really helped but the hustle mentality is absolutely important when you get started and what I find interesting is that there was like a year or two where there was like all of this hustle porn coming out like you know whatever you want to say all the memes were about like working day and night hustle your brains out like da 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 and that really went crazy and then all of a sudden there's this whole new me- movement of like you don't have to work hard because somebody else tells you to and self care is da 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 and I'm like and which by the way all of those things are 100% true but if yeah. you have the audacity to dream to be a millionaire or to build a business or to do something greater with your life than the cards that you were dealt, that hustle mentality is 100% necessary. When I started the business, I was working eight hours, then spending five hours when I got home, learning how to make websites, that whole thing, learning how to make websites, learning about social media marketing, that whole thing, right? There were sacrifices that had to be made. I was staying... Uh, like going to bed later, waking up earlier, the whole thing. And that still happens today. The fact of the matter is this, no matter how unique you think you are, which each individual as a person is, but your business idea probably isn't that unique. Even like the Uber for dry cleaning, like, okay. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. there's somebody else, Mark Cubitt says it best. There's somebody else that wants to accomplish the same thing as you. And if they're more talented and if they have more resources, the only differentiator is your work ethic. And you have to give yourself as many opportunities and as much time to get an advantage over somebody else. And a lot of times that's just the amount of hustle or work you're willing to put into it. Now, as I've grown older and, or I mean, not too much older, but it's like, as I've grown older and I've, you know, 
kind of been through different phases of it, that hustle mentality always sticks in the in the back of my head. Because yes, I do get up at five o'clock in the morning so that I can be in the gym by six, so that I can be in the office by seven, and I'll work till seven o'clock most nights, then spend about an hour or two with Alexa before I go to bed and start it all over again. And in those times in between, like my calendar's jammed, like I need I do what I can to get the most out of every single day, earning my sunrise every single day, as you can as you might want to say. Yes. But the mentality changes a little bit from a hustle mindset, which is, you know, in my opinion, just trying to make it happen for yourself to more of a business mindset to where it's now, it has to happen for everybody else too. You know what I mean? So I, I'm a true believer that hustle will get you off the ground, but then when you can think with empathy and think from a business point of view, that'll, that's what's actually going to keep you afloat. Right. I agree with you completely. Well, your work ethic is clearly outstanding, uh, which is one of the things that attracts me to you. And you mentioned this, I think, in an email exchange we had, that, which is so true, um, that so many people may not realize that it, it might feel like it's unhealthy amounts <laughs> of mm-hmm. work that it takes, especially in the beginning, and, and how long. It just depends on the person, I guess, and the, the type of business. But it's very true. And you're right. This movement of these people saying, well, no, now you don't really have to work that hard. You know, (laughs) it's like, okay, calm down, everybody. You, you do actually, Mm -hmm. you know, and I feel like it's kind of dangerous to say, I actually see this girl post a lot on Instagram and she says, I just wanted to make a bunch of money and not have to really do that much work. I'm like, neat. (laughs) I mean, like what the fuck is that? (laughs) And so, and she's, and she's delivering this message to to people that depend upon her as if that's uh, a thing that's, that's possible. And it's a bummer. So yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, really you, you're gonna have to work your butt off and that just, whatever that means to you, right? Like it's different depending upon your situation. Yeah, hundred percent, and 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 it's a fine line too because like, do I think it takes an unhealthy amount of work by standards? Like, health is kind of relative to the person. Do I think it takes by what most might think is an unhealthy amount of work to get started? Yeah, hundred percent, dude. When I started uh, seven twelve and then Blue Light, there was everybody and their mom was trying to start a social media mar- marketing agency, and literally like, and their mom, and. Uh, <laughs> You know what's funny is I can't think of anybody that I started with that's still around. And I don't mean to flex like that, but that's just the case. But I know that I worked harder. And I I know that, you know, maybe in some places I got more advantages and I knew more people, whatever it was. But like, I know that I worked harder. And that's why I'm still here. Knock on wood, you know, I never want to take that for granted. But, you know, you can say all day and long, like, you know, life isn't a competition. And that's fine if you say that, but just don't complain when somebody beats you at what you were trying to do. What is up, you lovely listeners? Sorry to interrupt the episode, but I did want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, MikeMe.com. MikeMe has helped this podcast sound incredible over the last year and a half. And I put out every single episode with 100% confidence that it's going to sound amazing and it's going to be absolutely legit. Not to mention having them work on my show has helped save an incredible amount of time and headache for me. So it's been one of the best investments that I've made in a very, very long time. If you have a podcast or you're looking to start your own, be sure to go to mikeme.com forward slash oversharing. Again, that's mikeme.com, M-I-C-M-E.com forward slash oversharing. And you'll get an episode edited for free when you purchase one of their podcast bundles. This is an incredible service. You're absolutely going to love it and you're going to love the team. But before I speak too much, let's get back to the episode. 
So yes, of course, it takes uh, the hard work and termination and persistence and all the things it takes. But like, do you have any opinions on if somebody has been doing that? If Is there a point where it's like, okay, maybe I need a, at least a little bit of a pivot because mm-hmm. that shit's not working. Like, you know, because there's a difference between keep going, keep going at something that clearly isn't working in that way, right? Yeah. How do you make these pivots? Like, have you ever experienced that? Yeah, I experience it every single day. And like, there's times of the day where you're not as productive really as you want to be and you end up doing like meaningless shit. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I'm updating QuickBooks. Like, cool. I should just <laughs> hire some. Like, why am I doing that instead of hiring somebody to uh, update QuickBooks for me? Yes. Right? Um, but like, so something like that. But the pivot, I think, what's really important is it's a mindset pivot and understanding that there are different parts of your life that is actually contributing to your end goal and can be considered work. So when I go to the gym or I run in the morning or whatever it is, I actually consider that work for myself yes. because. Yes. Yeah. Right. So it's like, it's like studying for a test. You want to make sure that you're in the best mindset, that you're clear, that your energy is good, that your health is good. Like that's part of my work, you know? So like now that's part of the hustle. And as you grow a little bit, you understand that these things are actually necessary and non-negotiable. And the same thing goes with like quality time with your family. I'm lucky that Alexa works as hard as she does. In fact, I think when we first met, she might have been working harder than me. And so I started (laughs) competing with her (laughs) um, because I do that. (laughs) Spending time with your family is really important too because you have to understand why you started in the first place, right? And a lot of times it's to make the people that believed in us proud. It's to spend more time with our families. It's to really enjoy that, that time that you have with them. So I think that those things can be contributed to that. But also you have to at one point or another, you have to understand, and let's take that example of filling out QuickBooks. That is not your best use of time, let's say. If you are the brainchild, and you know maybe it is, but maybe, most likely it's not. You have to understand what is my unique value. You have to understand what is my zone of genius? What did I actually want to do? If you are the artist, then you have to create your art. You don't necessarily have to do the books. So you have to understand like, all right, I'm going to dedicate this much money or this much resources to hiring somebody to take care of that so that I can actually stay in my zone of genius and continue to build a little bit bigger. The problem is a lot of entrepreneurs think that, or a lot of people starting their business think that, you know, it all starts and ends with them and they're the only person that can do that work. But the fact of the matter is that it's not. There are some things that need to be done by you. There's a lot of things that definitely don't. And I think Seth Godin says it right as well too, where he's like, when you start scaling your business, you have to understand that the next person you hire to do your job, and I'm paraphrasing, they're only going to do it 80% as good as you are going to do it. <laughs> and you just have to be okay with that. you know. And that's hard for me to let go sometimes too. But man, I deal with like, I'm in a, you know, we have a creative, part of our business is creative agency, right? So I have a lot of opinions on creative, just like everybody else does. And then I just have to realize that like my opinion isn't the only one that's out there. Is our client happy? Is my team happy by creating this? Do they feel proud of the work that they do? And if those two things are solid, my opinion actually doesn't matter and they should just run with it. You know what I mean? So letting go of the reins a little bit is work in itself and training those people is work in itself. But I think that answered your question in a really long way. No, yeah, you did. You did. Well, and, and it also just proves that you're saying like letting go of the reins a little bit. It's kind of funny, but that is leadership too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think maybe there's a misconception out there in general that, you know, leadership is, all right, I'm in charge, bitches. Like y'all listen to what I have to say. And it's not, right? I mean, no. you've learned that you've grown your business. 
Yeah. I've never had to say I'm in charge in the six years <laughs> of my business, by the way. Like, Good. you know, your, your people, if you decide to hire people in your business or whatever it is, they're going to follow because of the example that you put out and not because you have to shove it down their throats. Like that's just right. the bottom line. Bottom line. Yeah. I would like to ask you about growing the business real quick. For example, let's take me for example. My business, I really only formed it like a year and a half ago. And it's a very slow, you know, the mom and the kids. And so everything has to be very slow. But I finally got to the point this summer sometime where I hired a virtual assistant to take care of some of those tasks that I don't need to be the one doing. And I had already heard from a lot of people I trust, um, you and other people of, of how to handle that kind of, you know, so I think I handled it well and she's great and it's all good, but you know, everybody's doing all the things themselves, right? Wearing all the hats. We, we are in a time where you can just start a business and you can do it from home and you've got technology and you can look mm-hmm. things up at how to do everything in the freaking world yourself. But then when you do want to do that, like, how do you feel that for that growth? I mean, can you talk about how you started to grow and how, you decided? I I just had a conversation with somebody about this the other day and I couldn't give them a clear answer because a lot of it was just like a gut feeling. But what I did real, yeah, a lot of it was, I realized what was really taking up a lot of time and I was like setting kind of a vision of what I wanted to happen. And that vision kind of built as I was going. But the first thing that I ended up delegating was blogging actually, because I like to write, but I couldn't spend so much it takes me three hours to write a 800 word blog and so that wasn't making sense to me anymore because i needed to actually get sales in and i realized that my personal zone of genius was like yes it was the marketing part and maybe the personal branding part but it was really the it was a lot of the business development so i needed to stay in that spot um and you know, generate revenue for the company. So that was the first thing that i delegated out um and then after that it kind of went on to the things that i didn't really like to do like that much. Do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know That's what I mean? That's a great like, way to start. Yeah. Yeah. I started hiring people to do that or just made that part of their job description, whatever it was. And so that's, those are some of the things that I started outsourcing a little bit. And I just realized that like, I love the strategy part. I love the business development part. And I do love creating content quite a bit, but um, I don't necessarily like creating content for other people. (laughs) I understand. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? So, uh, Although that's my job, but yes, I understand. Yeah, right. So, you know, just understanding those things and like, that's kind of how I started hiring people out for that. And then I started, you know, thinking, all right, if somebody was to come, I started off with contractors just doing like one-off jobs for blogs. And then once it got to a volume, which I could do like a monthly retainer type of thing instead of one-offs, then I started going into a monthly retainer route. So it went from like $200 a blog, let's say to $2,000 a month as a retainer. And then they're just like doing as many blogs as we needed to do. And then I started just like, kind of measuring it from there of like, all right, that's my fixed cost and I need to grow from there. And then if I wanted somebody else and that's the fixed cost, then I have to understand like, now I need to make X amount of dollars a month to sustain this fixed cost and still pay myself. And it just continued to be that thing. I think that's pretty close to what I still do now. Um, Now they're not contractors anymore. They're all like W2 employees. And in California, I have to add like 30% for payroll tax, which I have no idea what that actually goes to. But um, (laughs) it's a lot of that same thing. It's understanding like, all right, this is how much time it takes to actually execute these jobs. This is the job description that it needs. This is how much I need to pay that person. This is what my monthly recurring revenue is. And this is what I'm projecting to come in uh, over the next 90 days as new business, new clients so that I can grow from there. And at that point, 
hire them on. And then I just go back to work, get in new clients. A lot of it right now is going to be focusing on operations um, and making sure you always, in my opinion, you always have to, the best way to kind of um, maybe grow your team is I'll actually micromanage for like two to three weeks and like make sure that everything's to my standard of what I need them to be document as much as I can on paper, uh, what the policies and procedures are. Um, if there's needs to be corrective action, if in case something doesn't happen, documenting that as well. And then once I micromanage that for three weeks and they have a very clear understanding of what I want, and I'm confident that they know that of what I want, then I'll just like let them do their thing for months and then come back later, like probably a quarter. And then I'll do a quarterly review with everybody and be like, all right, how did we do in these areas? So on and so forth. But I try not to mess with it. Even if something's like lit on fire, it's like, you can kind of go handle that. You know what I mean? If we lose it and we've lost tons of clients, not tons, I'm sorry. We've lost a a handful of clients because of, for whatever reasons, whether they were, maybe they weren't getting, they didn't feel they were getting as much value or whatever. If it was, I I don't know what it could have been. It's always on good terms, which is nice, but you know, I just don't get upset about that because I need to let my team lose a client. I need to let my team get yelled at. I need, you know, I need them to learn how that happens and not have that rest on me if I want to build, you know what I mean? So I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing. What about hiring or maybe you haven't quite, I mean, you're never going to be able to duplicate yourself. Of course we know Mm -hmm. that, but what about hiring someone to do some of the types of tasks that you like? So you were saying it, obviously you can start with, if you want to get help with the things you don't like to do, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, but have you, have you dealt with that where you've got somebody on your team that's working on projects that you like to work on and how does that work? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I actually really enjoy the strategy portion of what we do. And it's funny, I joke about it all the time, especially when I get to talk on a podcast like yours and talk about like marketing strategy or entrepreneurship strategy. But I don't get to do that anymore because I'm dealing with a ton of paperwork most of the time. The true sign of a leader is somebody who can create other leaders, right? I think you said that earlier today. Yeah. And so, you know, I have Carly and Hannah who are on my team who I'm training to see things the way that I see things, or at least understand where I'm coming from when I present a strategy or I handle a client in a certain way, whatever it is, so that they can end up doing that on their own. And there's enough room for everyone. Like I need more than just me doing that if I want to grow, right? So yeah, that's definitely something that I want to, that I'm doing right now. And to hire somebody, you know, it's interesting. So I needed to hire somebody that was good at business development and that understood social media. But I realized that if they were actually as good as I was, this is going to sound really cocky. If they were actually as good as I was, then they would have their own agency already. (laughs) Um, Earlier this year in January, I actually ended up, I guess you could say like acquiring a small consultancy type of thing, which we brought them on or brought her on rather. She had her own book of clients. She had her own strategy. And then she was under the blue light umbrella and I was able to offer more security and more... um, you know, stability in what she was doing. And so we just brought that person on because I knew that I needed a counterpart to what I was doing. And she absolutely kills it. You know, that's probably a good example of hiring somebody that does what we do. I'm just not worried about like, I, I think people get worried that they, they get re- they'll get replaced or that they're right. not needed. But that's, I don't think that's something that you should worry about. It's just not going to happen. You have to be willing to hire somebody who knows more than you though, because- That's going to be hard, right? Yeah, it is hard. It's difficult. In fact, one of the people that we wanted to hire just yesterday, like they had big agency experience for the listener. Like, you know, we're a team of 10 people. We're not that big. But 
the person that we're going to hire was from WPP who had a lot of experience in, you know, uh, media planning for CTV, radio, TV, this whole thing. And I really want that as a part of my agency. And I really wanted to hire her for that expertise. Unfortunately, it just wasn't what we needed today. So we decided to move a different route with somebody who had more expertise in exactly what we needed in social media. But the next hire that I make needs to be somebody that knows things that I don't know. I feel like it's cool, but something that's really cool about you as an individual is that you you have this competitive side, right? Clearly, but you also have this, this really healthy perspective of there's also other smart people in the world. I'm not the mm-hmm. only one, you know? I like that. I think that's yeah. amazing. Humility is so big, dude, because like I have to, I don't know. It's like, you can't be silly enough to think that you're the smartest person in the room. You know what I mean? <laughs> Even if like you you are, you have to always be willing to listen to other people's opinions and perspectives. I have a, obviously from this podcast, which is funny, this is the most like I've kind of expressed how I'm how confident I am in myself. But I also know that like I'm confident in the things I know I can do. Yeah. I know that I can build business. I know that I can lead a team. But do I think that I know everything? I don't know anything about like web development or like coding or anything like that. Like, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I can do it. Like what I do know is that I can relate to somebody really well. I'm willing to learn enough to speak the language and maybe bring them on to my team to help grow that. And I also know that I'd give anything I could to make sure that they had an opportunity to succeed. And like, that's, that's enough for me. And that, I think that's, what's going to end up growing this business even more. So. Yeah, it is for sure. And you should be super confident. You should talk about it more. You're awesome. awesome. I really, I think very highly of you. Um, you. So we're we're about to wrap it up, but I got to know, just please humor me really quick because I I love in and out and I I live in Houston, Texas where it's hard to find Mm -hmm. and it's exciting. Honestly, I want to know about this always be smiling. So if you didn't catch it earlier, you guys, we were talking about that was one of the things he learned, you know, when he was working this life where he's he's working all these different jobs and they said, you know, always be smiling. How did that feel? Did that feel like cheesy at first? Did somebody tell you to do that? And you're like, well, what if I'm having a crap day? How did it feel? That's so funny. I remember my <laughs> interview really clearly and I had braces at the time and I was doing the interview. They were just opening up this store and the person that was interviewing was with me is just like, you have such a great smile. It's Aww. so bright. And I think he was talking about my braces, but whatever. Um, <laughs> you know what? It didn't feel cheesy because it's a policy actually for them. You have to smile to everybody that comes in. You know, you have to be friendly. If you go in, like you'll notice like everybody is just very friendly and bubbly when you go to In-N-Out and that is a policy that they have. So no, I just knew that that was part of the culture and that's what we needed to do. But it really helped me break out of my comfort zone because I'm only extroverted in situations where I'm super comfortable. A lot of times I'll be the kid in the corner, like if I don't know anybody, if there's no context on who I have. But this really helped me to say hello and how are you doing to every single person that I meet. I smile quite often now. And maybe my mom says I was doing that as a kid, but I don't really remember. But it was a really big thing. But I think even now as I move forward, at the time, and when I wrote that article, I think you're referring to, I think that was like three or four years ago now. At the time, it was about me as an individual. But now I understand that it's actually me as an owner and as somebody who is looking to build the culture of what we're doing. It's a policy in my office to say hello and goodbye to everybody if you're walking in and out. And if you don't, you'll actually get written up. And I don't have to I don't have to write people up for that because they are intrinsically friendly. But we had issues in the past where people would come in and out without saying hello and goodbye. It's like, this is a team of eight people. Our office isn't 
huge. So it's actually kind of awkward and somewhat rude if you don't say hello to the people uh, that are around you. So we've made that type of thing uh, as a policy. And now as I, as I'm building the company, I I just realized that like kindness and respect needs to be a policy um, as we're building the business. So I learned a lot of things from that, but it didn't feel cheesy at the time and it doesn't feel cheesy now. Now I'm just like, if you don't do it now, you're weird. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. I I agree. You would fit in just fine here in the South and in Texas where manners are everything. You know, if your kid doesn't say, please, like, say please, you know, you got that that Southern mom, get to it, which is probably a little weird, actually, now I think about it, because that's not very polite. But but yeah, no, I'm with you on that all the way. Okay. Final question. And I didn't really prepare you for this, but I feel like you could totally answer (laughs) Rocket. What drives you in general? to keep pushing forward, to keep doing good work, be a good person, spread it out into the world like you do on your own social media. I mean, what is, what's in you that makes that happen? This is going to be a little long-winded, but I'll tell you. So there's do it. A couple, I'm ready. I'm ready. There's a, there's a couple like baseline things that drive me. One is when I was in my early 20s and playing poker, um, my mom and I had a family living upstairs in our house. She was selling her jewelry so that we could make things meet. I remember when Cash for Gold was big, she thought she was going to get like 500 bucks from this bag of jewelry that she got, but it ended up being $1,200 and she cried because she felt it was such a blessing. We were living on EBT cards, which to somebody who hasn't had to use those before, it's essentially food stamps. That was like one of the lowest parts in my life. And I never, ever, ever want to see my mom or myself or anybody I love have to be broke again and go through the embarrassment and shame of you know, having to like kind of beg, steal, borrow, sell things. Like it doesn't feel good. And it's not that it's shameful if somebody else does it, but it felt shameful at the moment. I don't want to have somebody feel that. And I need to do things legitimately. And I love my dad now, even after what happened before. So I'm very passionate about making sure things are as by the book as possible. So documenting everything. So I never, ever want to be broke again. That's number one. Number two, I've had some incredible mentors in my life. And I think that I'm super blessed, dude. Like my uncle is such a huge inspiration to who I am and my success. And this is kind of a weird thing to say, but when I say my uncle and my dad, those two people, they're actually not my biological uncle and dad. My dad married my mom when I was six months old and his family took me in and treats me like you wouldn't even know. Right. And they don't bring it up because it's not a thing. And I think I was just afforded such a crazy opportunity in life to be loved by people. And so now my biggest thing and my mission in life is to create opportunities for people to become the best version of themselves, both professionally and personally. And it drives me because there are so many people that believed in me and I never, ever want to let them down. I don't want to let down my wife, my mom, my uncle, my brother, my friends who are here, the people that are watching, even you that, you know, this is the first time we talked for a long time. Like, there's something where like you believe in the things that I'm doing. Now I know that I can't let you down. All those people who repost earn your sunrise. I get up every single morning because now I know that they're looking to me. Yes. You know what I mean? And it's like, I truly believe, you know, they're back to that like hustle mentality thing. There used to be that mentality of like, you got to prove the haters wrong. And it's like, or you can just prove the people who believed in you right. And that'll keep you going for a lot longer. I'm, I'm just going to give you a round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay. 
<laughs> I don't want to fuck that up and say anything, say anything extra. So we'll just leave it at that, you guys. That was beautiful. Okay, Mikhail, thank you so much. I want you to tell everybody before we go where they can find you. You have to tell them your Instagram. You guys have to freaking follow them on Instagram. It is essential if you want to feel inspired and excited about life and work and everything and how they can find information about what you do, your business. I love and your that. show, and your show, your podcast. Yes, all of it. Thank you so much. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, whatever it is. It's uh, Mick, M-I-Q-K, and the Q comes before the K. And uh, you can find the podcast, Overshang, with Mikhail Alfon on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. It's pretty cool. We'll have to do an episode soon, too. It'll be a lot of fun. And thank you again so much for having me on here. I'm so glad to like actually connect with you. I know I'm super short in direct messages. I'd love to... If you were around, I'd say, let's get a beer or whatever <laughs> it is. But you know, hopefully in the future, I, I still have to make it out to Houston. Yeah, for sure. And hey, I love I love Southern California. I feel like I'm a blend of a California Texas girl is what I am. So <laughs> I'll be there and and we're we're gonna have to get together and, and have some fun for sure. A hundred percent. Okay, Mikhail. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.